Hello, this is Paige Graffley, President of Mission Energy, and welcome to our last podcast of a very memorable 2020. This podcast serves to assist and inform nonprofit organizations interested in advancing their use of solar power as a clean energy source of electricity, as well as energy efficiency measures to reduce both cost and greenhouse gas emissions. My guest today is completely aligned with this effort. Joelle Novi is director for the Washington, D.C. Metropolitan Area Chapter of Interfaith Power and Light. Interfaith Power and Light is a wonderful organization working across faith-based ministries. It is a national network of over 40 chapters working in sync on a faithful response to climate change. They are truly foot soldiers and agents of change, and I am delighted to welcome Joelle. Joelle, how are you? Okay, thank you so much for having me today. You're very welcome. Joelle and I have known each other for a couple of years now and been working together in sync. Uh, but there's a lot about the organization that I don't know, and I'm excited to learn more. So, Joel, tell us a little bit about the history of Interfaith. Yes, so the insight or the feeling at the heart of Interfaith Power and Light's work is that the climate crisis presents us with a, not just a practical problem or an environmental problem, you know, it, it presents us with a moral and spiritual challenge. We are people of faith who are coming together to respond to climate change as a religious issue. The fact is burning fossil fuels for our electricity harms our neighbors, right? It harms our neighbors close to home and around the world. It harms our neighbors now and in the future. So there's nothing more central to all of our traditions than the responsibility to be caring for our neighbors. That takes a few different forms. We see it as having three components, education, greening, and advocacy. Let me ask you about that first part, talking about climate change. So this year, especially with the pandemic, combined with an election year, politicizing of a topic versus the science of a topic has obviously been in the forefront. Climate change has been at those at crossroad for years and years, right? You're absolutely right. The, the science of climate change has become politicized in a way that makes it very hard to open these conversations in other contexts. And that's why working in congregations is one of the most powerful places in the world to have a conversation about climate change. If you sit on a circle of folding chairs in a church basement and talk about what burning fossil fuels is doing to our climate and the impacts it has on people, if the, the, the person you heard from speaking to you on that circle of folding chairs last week was about feeding the hungry, you know, and next week is gonna be about taking care of the elders in our community, I'm, I'm situating the climate conversation as simply a question of how do our choices impact our neighbors? There's very good research from Ed Maybach called the Six Americas of Climate Change Opinion, where you can actually track over time how many Americans are, are concerned or alarmed. Which is a great segue on action, right? As you, on your website, you go from talking discussion to, to going green. What are those more common going green uh, actions that you've seen? So in every congregation that I've ever worked with, um, I try to ask them to envision if their congregation existed in perfect harmony, harmony with the natural world, like sometime in the future, uh, and they had fully uh, lived out their faith with respect to the information they had learned about climate change. You know, what would that look like, smell like, sound like? And what I find is that they can see it. I don't have to tell them, you know, they, and they all come back from that visualization and say there were solar panels on the roof. People were getting to the congregation on foot and by bike. 
So we try to invite folks to envision a, a climate livable future and then work backwards with them to think about, well, how would we get from here to there? There are a number of things that seem to interfere between the, that vision that we all share and actually getting those panels up on the roof. And can you elaborate on some of those? Sure. I think one of the major ones is that right now in the United States, the most effective way for a nonprofit organization to finance solar panels on their roof is to, is to arrange a power purchase agreement, to have a third party that owns the panels and sells the power to the congregation for less than they were paying for energy before. And that particular arrangement is unfamiliar to a lot of people. And, and they have to get their mind around what it means to let another entity own the panels on their own roof. And a lack of understanding about how uh, power purchase agreement financing works leads to a kind of incredulity. What am I missing? Like you're telling me that you're gonna put up panels for free at no cost to me. So the other thing that we've tried to do, we made a map of all the solar congregations we know of in the region, but more importantly, we have a, a guide and we try to really spell out when a solar developer is putting up um, a PPA project, this is how they're making their money back <laughs> in regular language. That's a great resource. The congregations and your experience that have moved forward, let me ask this, have any of them regretted <laughs> going solar? Now that they've got them on, now that they, they, they maneuvered through those, that, that cross communication and, and education and actually got things done, have any of them come back to you going, boy, why did we do that? No, it's, a, it's, it's so beautiful when congregations go solar and financing is there, the technology is there, you know, that's not the hard part of this anymore. The, the hard part is going to be to build that understanding and consensus in your own community that's going to be ready to make these decisions. So what we found, and, and I know Paige Mission Energy works with other um, faith organizations as well, those trusted intermediary organizations can be an important player in helping to, um, helping to build that trust where, you know, I've, I've spoken to many congregational boards about how solar financing works and they don't, they hear me differently because I'm not trying to sell them anything. I'm just helping them understand their options. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and let me conclude the podcast by shifting to the, to the third component of your work, which is advocacy. Sure. For congregations that are able to go solar, it's incredibly transformative and wonderful. And I want to really encourage congregations to think about the, the, con the building they run as um, a beacon in their community. Uh, St. Albans Parish is an Episcopal church in DC that was one of the first to go solar in the region. Um, and they called those solar panels our new stained glass windows. They are telling our story to the world in the way that stained glass windows do. Climate change is a global challenge. Um, we do a lot of work at the state level trying to pass strong climate policy in Maryland, in DC, and in Virginia. And we reframe the campaigns and movements of which we are a part as moral issues in a way that's valuable to all of us. I will also say in this work of solar, it is so clear to me the way our advocacy intersects with what our options are individually. So, you know, if you look at our solar congregations map in the region, um, there are all these dots on the map inside the boundaries of the District of Columbia with some in Maryland and some in Virginia. The congregations that were able to finance these projects successfully are clustered inside the region that has those better policies. Well, it's, it's, it's clearly worked. As you said, you look at the number of dots you have on this map in DC, 
uh, and it's probably going to grow now in Virginia uh, because of the legislation and, and the favorable policies that have transitioned here recently. So much has already been done, thanks to your organization. So, so many congregations have, have, have succeeded in getting through these stages that you've discussed uh, today and are testimonials. The, the fear of being the first to do this or the unknown, that, that, is, that is way behind us now. So I applaud what you've done, Joel. This is not something that just, oh, I want to go green and a couple of months later, we've done it and we're done. It's, it's, a, it's a process and um, it has a long tail too in terms of, uh, of the benefit. I want to just also thank you, Paige, because I think too many of the solar developers out there aren't interested in, in the challenges of working with small nonprofits, especially with congregations. And I do believe that these communities, because they are beacons in our neighborhoods, because people get meaning and, um, and guidance from these community, these institutions, once they go solar, it's going to have an outsized impact on everyone's uh, vision of what's possible. And I've seen, uh, for example, um, Temple Sinai in Washington, DC, put solar panels on their roof, and then had a huge campaign to get all of their members to go solar at home. Right. And once they had seen it working on the temple, they were ready to do it for themselves. So going solar is just one step on that journey. But um, but we're going to be kind of all forming together a movement for a livable climate. Well, it's fantastic. And thank you so much. And thank you for all that you do. And this has been an awesome way for us to end this this year. On behalf of, of, of the audience and Mission Energy, thank you, Joelle. And for everyone listening, happy holidays and be safe, be well. And we hope you have a fabulous 2021. Amen. Thank you so much.